For four decades, Dan Pilla, founder of the TaxHelpOnline.com, has been the nation's leader in taxpayers' rights defense and IRS abuse prevention and cure. Regarded as one of the country's premier experts in IRS procedures, he has helped countless thousands of citizens solve personal and business tax problems they thought might never be solved. His new book, The Small Business Tax Guide, has been 40 years in the making and is written to give you all of the information you need to stay out of trouble with the IRS. Hailing from Stillwater, Minnesota, I want to welcome Dan Pilla. Hi, Dan. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, always good to catch up with you. And, uh, of course, you've written many books and have spent, like I said, four decades helping thousands of individuals solve every kind of tax problem you can imagine. And since your new book, The Small Business Tax Guide, is designed to keep business owners out of trouble... Let's start with the fact that there are over 200 separate burdens that are placed on small businesses by the Internal Revenue Code, and I would wager that most business owners don't know the bulk of them, and that's how they end up sideways with the IRS. Yeah, there's no question about it, Sherry. There's uh, all kinds of burdens that are heaped on small businesses, particularly if small businesses have employees, which a number of them do. As as you know, uh, you know probably better than I do, uh, the, the bulk of all of the wage earners in the United States are employed by small businesses. Uh, you know, the vast majority of, of, uh, of uh, uh, job growth in America is not from Fortune 500 companies. You know, a lot of people think that, well, if this company, uh, GM, for example, or Amazon, these huge companies with tens of thousands of employees are responsible for job growth, that's not true. It's small businesses that are responsible for job growth, and they have huge burdens that are placed on them by the IRS that folks need to need to be aware of, or, they get, or as you said, they get sideways. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm always amazed. Because, you know, I've set up, you know, because I'm now 28 years in business setting up companies for small businesses all over the country. And, you know, one of the first questions I always ask after, you know, everything is formed and they're ready to start is, you know, who are you using for a bookkeeper or a CPA? And they have no one. So we already know that from the bookkeeping element, which is a huge part, and talk about that, is getting your book set up right from the start. Um, how critical is that? And part of, you know, the education that that should be going into uh, your thought process when you're going to start a small business. Well, well, it's it's indispensable, Sherry. In fact, uh, the chapter two of my book is the is entitled "The 15 Most Common Problems That Small Businesses Make," and that's one of them. Not having competent bookkeeping help, you've got to have competent bookkeeping help. The single, uh, probably the single biggest problem I see with self-employed folks, even folks with no employees. Now, let's just step away from the employees for a second. It is, is folks don't have an understanding of how they're supposed to make their estimated payments. Now, this is true if, if businesses are operating as a sole proprietorship, and, and it's true if they're operating as an S-corporation. I know that S-corporations are very popular, and for good reason, that's fine. Uh, but when you are functioning as an S-corporation, you still, as an employee of that corporation, have to make estimated payments, and it's got to be done properly and on time. And, and, and you gotta, 
you got to have proper accounting, bookkeeping to know what those payments are supposed to be and, and, and how to get them paid. And this is one of the things I treat in the book at length is exactly how to do that because that is such a common problem. And I'll tell you something else. Even even having an accountant to go through and, and you know do the, the, the so-called bean counting doesn't necessarily ensure that a person is, is making their estimated payments properly. And so I, I, you know, I lay out the strategy in the book for doing this and show you exactly how to do it. But the essential component of that is proper, proper bookkeeping. Well, and also then you do talk about the right type of entity, which, you know, I'm always, I love that conversation because I have it every day with people, but let's, you know, depending on, like you say, the nature of the entity, whether you're an LLC, an S corp or a C corp, the rules are different for those different entities. And, you know, so many people are going out and setting up on their own that, you know, they're already missing a big chunk of the knowledge again of how do you pay yourself, what taxes are you responsible for, and it's not just payroll tax, it's also federal tax or state tax. Talk about that. Yeah, you're exactly right. In fact, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Sherry. The single most common question I get from people that are setting up a new business is, what type of structure should I use? And and the, and the question people ask me all the time is, you know, what's an LLC? What is an S-corporation? And, and, and folks generally, Sherry, you know this better than I do, folks generally get pushed into an entity because someone told them that was a good idea. Somebody said, well, LLC is the way to go or S-corp is the way to go. And the, and the person that's set up the uh, the entity has no idea why they did it other than this you know advice from a <laughs> you know from a friend and so they set this up and they have no idea what the compliance requirements are for that entity so one of the one of the very first things i address in the book is what are the various entities that are available there's actually eight sherry different entities that a person can choose to do business through as a small business person there's eight different entities including the so-called sole proprietorship which is no you know legal stru- formal legal structure at all. And in every single one of those eight scenarios, I explain in detail what the ent- what, what it means to be structured this way, whether it's a partnership or corporation or whatever, what it means to be structured this way, and more importantly, what are the specific tax compliance burdens that apply to that particular entity. S-corporations have to do one thing. Partnerships have to do something else. A sole proprietorship has to do something different altogether. And people need to understand what these things are so they don't get themselves in trouble with the IRS by failing to comply with the reporting requirements. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, like we said, for a lot of, a lot of folks, it isn't just federal, it's also state. And so, you know, if you're not getting structured properly, if you don't understand your structure and what your requirements are, and then you start with no good bookkeeping to begin with, I mean, you're already in failure before you even begin. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you you just described you just described a person that's three months into their business and is already doomed, and they they probably haven't made their first dollar of profit yet, and they're in trouble. Right. So, so you you've got to take these steps. And here's the beauty of it, Sherry: is none of this stuff is that complicated. 
Well, what makes it complicated is people's ignorance. They don't understand what, you know, what the differences are between these various entities and what the compliance requirements are and so on and so forth. And so because they don't understand this stuff, they're getting – and now you add to that the fact that they're getting information from outside sources that probably aren't reliable, and now that's where you get the disaster. And so by following the simple steps and the simple formula I have in the book, you're not going to get yourself in, these tr- in, in this uh, kind of trouble. Well, and, you know, one of the things I always find fascinating is people really, you know, they fear the IRS. And, you know, the worst day is a day you get a letter for an audit. So, you know, you and I have been for many, many years talking about the fact that, uh, you know, if, if you understand what is required – you know, the IRS, the tax code can really benefit you. Let's talk about that because most people have the fear factor, but if you understand how to play the game, you can actually win with the IRS and taxes. Well, well the, and <laughs> you're exactly right, and the fear factor is a real thing. And, 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 you know, people look at the IRS and they say, well, this agency's got the power to come in and, and, and you know, seal my bank accounts and, and, and take these enforcement actions and so on. And all that's true. There's no question about that. When you've got a delinquent liability with the IRS, you can face liens, levies, and seizures. That's undeniable. But what the, 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 the single most important thing that people need to understand, and this is just absolutely true across the board, whether we're talking about small businesses or not, and that is when the IRS challenges a tax return, Sherry, the burden of proof is on the taxpayer. The IRS never has to prove you did it wrong. You, the taxpayer, have to prove you did it right. Now, we're talking about civil audits. Now, if they charge somebody with a crime, it's a different story, but that's, that's you know, beyond the scope of this discussion. When we're talking about civil audits, which is the overwhelming majority of the type of problems or interactions that small businesses are going to have with the IRS, the burden of proof is on the taxpayer. So what I do in the book is I show you exactly how to keep the proper records necessary to meet your burden of proof in any one of the of the uh, a couple of dozen areas or so that the IRS is going to challenge a small business. I know, Sherry, based on 40 years of litigating with the IRS, exactly how the agency is going to come after any given small business. I know precisely how they're going to attack them, and I know exactly how to prove that the taxpayer did it right and, and didn't make a mistake. And all that's in the book. All this 40 years of experience is brought to bear in this book so folks can stay out of these, these problems altogether. Wow, that's awesome. And for those listening, I'm talking with Dan Pilla. His new book, Small Business Tax Guide, it is available on his website, taxhelponline.com. And, uh, Dan, before we go to break... I want to when we come back I want to talk about some of the most common mistakes small businesses make but just as a wrap up to this segment we're both in total agreement your book the small business tax guide could really help people avoid all of that fear factor with the IRS and really help you get started right from the start that's the key yeah. Yeah, there's no question about it, Sherry. It's going to get people off on the right foot so they don't get sideways on the front end. Good. Awesome. Okay, we go to break. We come back. We're going to pick up with Dan Pilla. Sage International Incorporated helps you start your business and provides the ongoing support, information, and education to make sure you stay in business. For over 26 years, Sage International, a local Reno business, has been working with solopreneurs, real estate investors, nonprofits, 
and seasoned business owners making sure you're structured in the right entity, taxed in the right way, so you protect your assets and reduce your taxes immediately. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry Hill, the Wealth Protection Diva, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515. Or visit sageintl.com. It's so sweet. The 10th Annual Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, Feb 21 and 22 in Yerrington, Nevada, the hub of Lyon County. Honeybees are amazing. Learn about products from beehives used for health and beauty, the history of mead, and how to make mead with your very own honey. Become a beekeeper at the 10th Annual Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, Feb 21 and 22 in Yerrington, Nevada. Register NevadaStateBeekeepers.org. That's NevadaStateBeekeepers.org. It's so sweet. For four decades, Dan Pilla has been the nation's leader in taxpayers' rights defense and IRS abuse prevention and cure. Widely regarded as one of the country's premier experts in IRS procedures, he has helped countless thousands of citizens solve personal and business tax problems they thought might never be solved. Dan has seen every type of tax problem and believes there is no such thing as a hopeless tax problem. His website, TaxHelpOnline.com, I encourage you to check it out. And today we're talking about his newest book, The Small Business Tax Guide. And uh, I can already tell you it's you know loaded with just awesome information. And anyone, before you even start thinking about going into business, this would be one of those books you should have in your library of resources. So, Dan... Let's talk about some of the other uh, most common mistakes small businesses make that, you know, get them in trouble with the IRS. Sure. Let, yeah, let, let's, talk, let's talk about one of the biggest problems. And in fact, Sherry, this is, this is an audit initiative. This particular issue is an audit initiative with the IRS. Uh, that is to say it's, a, it's a, a project they are spending a great deal of time and energy on, and they are systematically targeting small businesses in this area. So you've got to understand what the rules are in this particular area and how to implement them so you, so you stay out. And this is a source of huge tax assessments for small businesses that make this mistake. And what I'm talking about is the misclassification of workers. You know, one thing that small businesses regularly do when they start to get, uh, when they start to, get uh, to the point where they need help is rather than hiring an employee on the front end, small businesses will use, uh, will use independent contractors. And that's fine. There's nothing illegal about using independent contractors. It's perfectly legitimate to do that. No question about that. But you got to understand what the rules are for for using independent contractors. Uh, a lot of people will misclassify their their legitimate employees or or what uh, what should be treated as an as a legitimate employee. They misclassify them as independent contractors. Now the advantage for independent contractor Sherry is huge because as, as the business owner, if I'm paying an independent contractor, I don't have to do any wage withholding. I don't have to send, uh, I don't have to send in W-2s to the IRS. I don't have to worry about, about workers' compensation insurance. I don't have to worry about any of these types of things, right? And so I just pay the independent contractor their fee, whatever that is, and that independent contractor is responsible for their own taxes. But here's the problem. 
The IRS doesn't go by titles, all right? Just because you call somebody an independent contractor doesn't mean that they actually are, in fact, a legal independent contractor. There's very specific rules that have to be followed before that person can be considered independent versus an employee. And so if you're paying somebody as an independent contractor and the the IRS comes along and says, oh, no, no, that person should have been treated as an employee, guess what? The IRS goes back and assesses all the employment taxes against the small business owner that they should have paid if that person was treated properly in the first place. And I'm telling you, Sherry, this is a huge problem. And I see it all the time where uh, where the IRS has come along and assessed tens of thousands or in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars in back tax liabilities because a business made an honest mistake by by not following rules they didn't even know existed. I mean, this is the thing that's important is you don't have to have uh, you know, a a criminal intent or bad faith or or evil motive before the IRS assesses these back taxes against you. The, the ignorance can lead to these assessments, so you've got to avoid that problem. I've got two chapters in my book, and these are these are very very important chapters that take you through all the rules for dealing with an employee and all the rules for dealing with an independent contractor. So you can read through this stuff and very quickly and and accurately determine whether your worker's an independent contractor or an employee, and if they're an employee, what you have to do to stay in compliance, and if they're an independent contractor, what you have to do to stay in compliance so you avoid being blindsided by these monster assessments. Well, and Dan, you know, what California just did with all the independent contractors, I mean, pretty much is going to, probably set precedents across the nation, right? So now it's, again, not just the federal, the IRS, that's coming in and telling you how to classify, but as more and more states realize that, you know, here's a here's a nice source of revenue for the state coffers. So what do you think about that? Well, you're exactly right, Sherry. What California did is they, they very, very uh, widely broadened the definition of employee to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, um, almost virtually eliminate the idea. It hasn't eliminated it, but it's come close to eliminating the idea of independent contractor. But this is at a state level, not the IRS. And certain other states are following. Some of the states in the East Coast have already uh, adopted similar rules um, to, uh, to uh, what California did. And, and, and you, you just hit the nail on the head. All they're doing is looking for revenue. California is starved for revenue. A lot of the East Coast states are starved for revenue. And they're just looking for any possible way they can to steal more money. And that's what it amounts to. Exactly. So let's talk about, you know, another big question that comes up, certainly for small businesses, uh, you know, start in their basement or their garage or their back office. And one of the biggest areas of confusion is home-based business, right? So give us a little insight into that, because I think here again, you know, when a lot of people don't understand something, their fear of audits in the IRS preclude them from taking advantage of some of the good tax code. So let's talk about a home-based business. Yeah, home-based business, of course, is any kind of a business, Sherry, that's operating out of, home, out of a home, whether it be a, a spare bedroom, a den, a basement, a garage, a, you know, even even a separate structure that's not attached to the house, like, you know, like an outbuilding, a barn of some kind. Uh, and these are called home-based businesses. And people are confused about the deductions they're, they're allowed to get for a home-based business. And in fact, uh, many people just forego the deduction because of the confusion and and, uh, because of the audit risk. Now, here's the reality. This is one thing the IRS looks at carefully. 
are you claiming, uh, 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 is your deduction for, for home-based business legitimate? Are you doing it correctly or not? And this is something the IRS focuses on. Now, I don't say this so that people get afraid and stop claiming the deductions for home-based business. I say this so that folks understand that the burden to prove that your home-based business is structured properly is on you, the taxpayer. All right, and so the key is to be able to demonstrate that the space you're using in your home is used regularly and exclusively for business purposes. This is the key right here, Sherry. So, and 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 that's and, and so what happens is when you've got this space in your home that meets the regular and exclusive use test, then you get a deduction for the cost of the pro rata share of that space. So let's talk about regular and exclusive because this is where people fall apart. If you've got a spare bedroom and you're using that bedroom as an office during the day, and it's a, a TV room for the kids at night, that is not exclusive use, all right? The space in your home has to be used exclusively. That is to say, no personal use can go on in that space if you're claiming it as the basis for your home office. So we've got to have a separate designated space. Now, that doesn't have to be necessarily a separate room. You can have a large space in your basement. Let's say you got a huge room in the basement and you're using half of it for business and the other half is for family purposes. You don't need to build a wall in that space in order to demark the business versus the personal use, but there has to be a clear separation. You know, maybe you've got a wall of bookshelves or, you know, portable bookshelves, uh, movable bookshelves that you put in there or file cabinets, or maybe you even just hang a sheet or something, uh, or, or uh, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a physical barrier, but there has to be a clear demarcation between the two areas. And you've got to be able to demonstrate that the area that's used for business is not used for personal purposes. Now, now, of course, the challenge becomes how do you prove that? Well, one of the things that I talk about is keeping a, a log of your business activities so folks can see what exactly it is you're doing in your home office. If you're doing things that are necessary for the success of the business, such as marketing, uh, uh, billing for customers, if you're doing your, your business computer work, you're building your website, you're answering orders, uh, uh, you're shipping orders, you're, you're responding to emails, all of these various things, Sherry, that are necessary to the success of the business, if those things are being performed in that space, then that space becomes a legitimate home office deduction. So now the question is, what's the value of the deduction? And that's based on the pro rata the pro rata percentage of space used. If you've got a 1,500 square foot home, for example, and you've got 150 square feet that's being used for business, then you've got a 10% deduction for the cost of maintaining that home. Dan, one of the things that, you know, I know is, uh, you know, we got to wrap up our show here pretty quick, just got a couple of minutes. Um, you know, if I'm someone, I'm a year or two in business, and I know I have not been in compliance, right? Because A, your book just came out, Small Business Tax Guide, and I hadn't ordered it yet. Now, I've read your book. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have been. You know, part of this is not to carry the backwards forward, right? It's like, start now. Is that your recommendation? Get your book. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You're exactly right. Start now. And, and in fact, this is the perfect time to start. Here we are on the threshold of a new year. The vast majority of business people operate on a calendar year. So we're only two weeks into the new calendar year. 
now is the perfect time to get things straight going forward. Now, they say, well, what about what I did before? Okay, don't keep making the same mistake. People get stuck in the mud, Sherry, and they say, well, you know, I've done it this way before, and maybe it's wrong, but I don't. If I change, you know, what's going to happen? Well, if you change, you fix the problem. That's what's going to happen. Don't keep making the same mistake over and over again. And if the, if the, back situation, if the old situation is, is serious enough, well, then we look at that and we do what we got to do to fix it, fix that as well. But you can't keep making the mistake year after year and think it's just going to go away because it's only going to get worse. So change your behavior now if you're doing something wrong based on what you learn in the book. Absolutely. And the book we're talking about, Small Business Tax Guide, Dan Pilla, P-I-L-L-A. You can go to his website, taxhelponline.com. And also, Dan, just very quickly, I mean, you know, the books are great, but you really do help a lot of people with uh, education uh, once they are in trouble with the IRS. That's why you have the helpline. So just give us a 30 second of what, you know, the bigger scope of what you do. Yeah, the, 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 the broad base, Sherry, my, my 40 years of experience is litigating with the IRS, right? So I've, I've been in battles with the IRS on every kind of tax case you can imagine and a few that you can't. I've represented thousands of small businesses in front of the IRS in audits at the appeals level and at the tax court level in business audits of every description. I've also helped tens of thousands of people with tax delinquency cases. If you owe money to the IRS that you can't pay, then I've got uh, my, my work focuses on, on, on problems resolution, negotiating settlements with the IRS. So that's, that's where I get my experience. And so that's what makes the Small Business Tax Guide, frankly, so valuable. Because everything that's in that book is based on what I learned litigating with the IRS over these business issues. That's awesome. Love the fact that uh, we're a good resource for each other, Dan. Thank you for joining me on the show. And once again, if you want to get the book, Small Business Tax Guide, go to taxhelponline.com. And I want to thank you and wish you a happy new year, Dan. And same to you, Sherry. And it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to uh, our ongoing relationship here. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Sherry Hill Show. Happy New Year. And we always appreciate having great guests because we want to make sure that business is amplified. 